Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Alex Winwood, it's a pleasure to have you on my podcast. Um, I've been looking forward to have you on. And um, first question is, how you doing, man? Yeah, I'm doing good, my bro. Like, you know, life, life's, you know, back to normal. And, you know, we're just chilling out and enjoying family. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Um, same as you. So you're obviously in Perth. That's probably the only place that's life is as normal as it can be in Australia. You're back home with yep. family. Yeah, yeah, man. Like, pretty much came home. Took like, I think maybe the rest of the week off. I got back on like a Tuesday. Um, I was back at work the following Monday, and yeah, just try to catch up with as many people and, as I could. And yeah, once work started, it was just like just felt like I I'd never left. Eh? Yeah, no, I like that. And obviously, just to track back, firstly, congratulations on on the debut in the Olympics. I know we had a few chats in at the village, and you were disappointed with your results. And and I thought about it like five years ago, I was you. I was so disappointed at my performance. And then you know, a few years later, you're like, man, I'm so grateful to actually be considered one of the greatest to go to Olympic Games and represent my country. So just a little bit um, about the Olympics. Tell me a bit about your experience, obviously. Yeah, obviously, um, when we had chats, uh, oh, thank you for congratulating me as well. Um, congratulations to you as well. Um, but yeah, when we had chats and that, you know, it was pretty much like, you know, a few days afterwards, like I think um, I was only there for an extra week while I was at the Games. Um, and the emotions were raw and things like that. And um, I could be a little bit uh, abrupt sometimes when, you know, when things don't go my way. But, you know, back, I think quarantine was probably the best solution to like all of all of my shortcomings and things like that. Um, you know, after the games, like it wasn't like just coming back and seeing everyone and like, you know, kind of like not having that time to yourself and be able to think about things. So I really like, enjoyed quarantine for that for that period is just like being able to think about them things and and like acknowledging the people that have helped me along the way and um really thinking about that it was so much like a bit overwhelming like thinking of every person like you know at, at like local level then state level national level and like all these people that have helped along the way um really helped ground myself and like you know be thankful for actually getting the opportunity to be at the game so um all in all, I was, I'm very happy to get there. Um, you know, the games was like no other, but uh, it's just made me hungry to get back there in Paris. Yeah, and you speak so well about, you know, being hungry and sports all about resilience, obviously. You do have those ups and downs. And, of course, you know, the first few few days after that, you feel devastated and now I can see you bouncing back. And um, obviously you took a little bit of time off, uh, spent time with family, but still at the end of the day, there's still that performance space and we've got three years to go. What's your plans leading up, I guess, in the next three years? Yeah, so um, I had a lot of questions in quarantine, um, which that was probably the bad thing is like I had all these thoughts and that and then I was like, okay, well, I need to do this and, and I need to do that. I need to speak to this person. Like, So I had all these questions but, but no answers, um, which 
probably after the first week when I, I kind of got stuck in my head a little bit too much. Um, that's when I just kind of, you know, dropped all the thoughts and just thought, all right, well, look, I understand that I'm in here. There's, there's people at the games like the head coach and, and Boxing Australia and all that that I want to talk to and kind of get the ball rolling. But I was like, now's not the time. I just need to wait till I get back, let everyone get home, and spend time with their families and, and then start asking the questions. Um, so it's only kind of started of recent. Um, spoke to the head coach the other day um, of the national team, Kevin Smith, and um, he just wants to know what my plans are going into next year and that. Uh, I've opted out of going to the World Championships, which would have been about uh, now or maybe next month, I think it is. Uh, it was just very fast turnaround. By the time we got back to Australia out of quarantine, I think I had like seven weeks or something. So, I was, um, yeah, after a five, five-month camp, um, and then going to the games and doing all the quarantine everywhere. I was like, ah, oh, I can't do that. And, and my employee has been really good to me. Um, BAE systems, they've taken me on as an apprentice. I've had five months off for work. And I thought, ah, oh, it's a bit rough to get home and just say, look, I'm going <laughs> over to Siberia and, um, it's going to be like two weeks there and two weeks in quarantine. It's another month. Um, so I was just like, nah, I really need to just get back and get into the gist of things and, and plan for next year rather than, um, in a few months time. So, I'm looking forward to the Com Games. Um, boxing's kind of picking their weight classes at the moment, so they just want to see who's going to be available um, for for next year and that. And so I've I've obviously put my hands up. Um, we're trying to figure out how I can stay active between now and then, whether it's amateur or pro. Um, so it's just about kind of looking looking at the pros and cons of of everything um i'd like to have some pro fights in that uh if possible but covid's also a hindrance on both amateur and pro either someone can't get in or i'll go out and i've got a quarantine and for my apprenticeship it's just pretty much a little bit too too heavy right now um even with my relationships at home like with my coach and my partner and things like that um i'd rather be a pro at the moment just so i can fight in australia and, and it's not you know months away from home again so uh if if possible that's what we're looking at yeah and you, you speak so much about i mean your head coach and the support team you have around you i always credit my support team quite a lot to what i do but my support team is it's quite diverse as a person i've got a bunch of mentors obviously and um and then i realized probably you should have maybe for me the way it worked for me is like I got to have less mentors and keep that still element of me believing in myself and taking those chances. Cause I yep. think when I was taking advice from every single person, it's kind of hard. And then you miss that element of just believing yourself a little bit longer. Um, just firstly, the first question is what does, what does your support team like? Cause mine looks like a coach, a manager, an agent, and then you got um, training partners and all that. What does your support consist of? Uh, so there's like two elements of it. So pretty much all of my general training and, and um, leading into a benchmark event, it's just me and my my home coach, Brian Satori. Um, so it's it's basically me and him training in a shed in, in Little Mandra, um, West Perth, Western Australia. Um, so that's that's probably ninety percent of my whole year is just just doing that um, because I wasn't categorised before the Olympics, so I never was too much away from with the national team. Like I'd go. So the benchmark events after winning a nationals and getting on an Australian team and going to world championships or whatever. Um, but other than that, I was really at home. Um, the dynamic changes when we go onto the national team, you know, uh, the head coach of the uh, national team takes, takes over. And um, I just speak to my coach 
back home and um and things like that but you know he, he really takes over and then we bring in a bunch of assistant coaches and things like that so um when you get to that level i think you just got to be real uh flexible and be able to just go with whoever's in your corner yeah and you also speak about obviously there's a lot of challenges in sports and you speak about having to work you know i know um sometimes in my sport where i had to work sometimes the challenge was always try to find that balance where you have this dream of trying to achieve but you also still got to make an income and make money and having to work i guess how do you balance that especially that's a good question for a lot of people now that have dreams to chase that doesn't financially help at the moment and you have to go through school or still have to go through training and stuff like that so how do you how do you balance through the place um yeah i was pretty fortunate with uh how i came across my job um one of my my friends from when I played football back when I was like 15, his dad was a, is a supervisor at my work and um, they helped me do a lot of fundraising and things like that before, um, you know, leading up to the Olympics and things like that. But about two years before the games, he offered me a job um, as a trades assistant out there. So pretty much took that. And um, then when, when benchmark events come, they let me do leave without pay and they, they let me go for as long as I, I need um, but that that's only for a few weeks out of the year um, once I start getting to them points but you know I, I start work at six o'clock and um, leading up to the games the whole year before I was waking up at uh, 3.45 or 3.50 or something like that and getting to the gym or getting out on the track on I think it was quarter past four working for an hour gets gets to like 10 past five <laughs> it's still pitch black and it's freezing cold <laughs> I'm like damn real quick hurry up have a shower wherever I was and chuck the work clothes on, get to work, work for eight hours, finish at 2.30 and then go pretty much straight from there, come home, which was like in between home, um, the gym and work. And then, um, yeah, just have a quick feed and get straight to the gym and then train until like, I think it was like 7.30 maybe and get home at eight o'clock. So, um, yeah, it was running off my feet pretty much like wake up, get out of the house at four o'clock and I'm home at eight o'clock at night and, um you know as crazy as that sounds and like you know people think oh that's like you know that's so good blah 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 like there's there's a lot of as much as good as there is in that and like trying to stay like um goal focused like other things do suffer um I was young at the time I, I didn't realize that my relationships around me were like you know they were on thin you know thin ice and like I give it up to everyone that was around me and, and understanding how goal focused I was. But um, I think that was the biggest thing that came out of the Olympics is, is to be very aware of like um, relationships and time spent with them. Cause when they kind of go to, you know, to bad waters and things like that, um, it does affect your performance at, at sport. So you, you can't just be like, Oh, you know, I've got to, got to go to the gym at this time and blah, blah, blah. You know, you got to keep them relationships going. Cause those are the people that help you all the time. And like, you know, get around you and when they, when them relationships, you know, go under, it's, it's quite hard to stay focused in, in what you do. Yeah. And I agree. And I think well-being is, is really important. And, and I credit well-being for being like mentally, I always say I'm, I have to be mentally fit first before, before achieving yep. things on the track. And, and part of being mental fit is the relationships that I have to sustain. And, and they do become hard, obviously as an athlete and you've got a lot of goals and like you said, man, you just, that's kind of insane just hearing that. You're like, 
just waking up at three in the morning and doing all that like what's what's the drive what's what's the goal and because I think even me as an athlete I don't even know that like you'd be waking yeah. up in the morning and that's I think that's why it's unique for us to tell our stories in our own in our own words and you get to pick up a lot and which then begs the question like what's the drive like there's got to be a burning desire there's got to be a drive there or a goal yeah so I think at first it was just like very um self-rewarding like it was all about oh yeah I want to win I want to do this and that it comes a point where like that's just not not enough and like you know you your your priorities change and um I think uh, for me, it was like I lost my best friend um, just after Rio qualifications. Um, and I just remember him at, at a party just saying like, oh, he's going to go to the Olympics, blah, 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 this and that. And um, I think what, like I was his pole bearer and um, it was just very, very hard for me at the time. I kind of like whenever something went, went wrong outside of, of boxing and that there, like I'd, I'd always go back to boxing to focus myself. And I took a little bit of time off a couple of weeks. It was probably the longest point that I've taken off at that boxing at that time. And, and then I just realized it wasn't just for me. There was a lot of people that's helped me. Um, there's a lot of people that was counting on me to, to fulfill their, their dreams as well. So um, yeah, that, that was probably a big drive that that's pushed me this whole time. Um, and just thinking like, it's not just my dream. It was like my, coach's dream to have an olympic athlete you know it's like it, it was a lot of other people's aspirations for me to do well so it it became a lot easier when, when i looked at it in through them lens yeah and i see communities major for you to influence your heritage and i'm um, indigenous australian i see it right there on your bio um i guess one what does it mean for you as indigenous australian and and the culture and like who you are as a person yeah, I think um, like like most minorities, like we kind of like uh, have our ties to to our background, like very very strong. It's like a part of our identity, you know. Um, just I think from now on, like whenever I would introduce myself, like being an Olympian is part of my identity. Like I introduce myself as a as a Noongar man first um, and foremost. Like whenever I go to any person's country, like they. I know my mate from, from the Philippines, he asked me, it was like the first time I went away, he goes, um, Alex, uh, why are you brown and the rest of them are white? <laughs> it, it, was, it became like one of, the, one of the most beautiful relationships I've ever had. Um, and like I explained it to him, I was like, look, I'm an Indigenous, you know, my people were, uh, you know, here in Australia first, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, yeah, like, so um, I just, I wear it on my sleeve, you know, I my heart on my sleeve and, and, and my skin color just shows it. I, I suppose you feel the same. Like I feel, feel so proud to be indigenous and be an Australian. And like, I think going to the games just like meant the world to me. It's like, you know, I see like going through the headquarters that, that made me feel so proud, man. Like yeah. just seeing all the dot, uh, dot work and, and all the, like the map of Australia and, and all the tribes, like it, it was it, it's what I strive for to for Australia to look like in the future and you know I, I didn't really understand the concept of being patriotic but like for me now now I understand like I, I'm, I'm Australian and I'm Indigenous and I just want everyone to you know love and respect and, and cher- you know just be proud of our culture altogether as Australians so um, yeah 
I love that. I love that, man. That's that's awesome. And I guess my next question is: Do you feel a sense of sense of pressure from the community from Australia to perform, or because I kind of I used to earlier on, you know, and as an athlete, I think you just you just learn through experiences and you grow. I used to feel this sense of pressure, you know, like um the community, you know, you speak about different heritage, the South Sudanese, and because I want to, I'm not just doing it for myself. I'm doing it for a lot of communities, a lot of different people. And at the start, it felt like pressure, but then Tokyo, for instance, it did not feel like pressure at all. It was more of a few. Um, I guess where are you in that timeline, and how do you? Yeah, I, I think um, like uh, I've I've never felt the pressure on me from my community to to have to win. I I've always felt um, their support to say like um, if anything, like I the the support became like when I was like, oh, no matter what. No matter what happens, I'm like, look, you tell like just just tell me that I'm gonna win and then be there to pat me on the back afterwards. Like it's like I, I understand, I understand where you like you're coming from. You're coming from a beautiful place and I love that. It's like, look, the the story history is not written yet. I I can go there, I can win a medal. Just just don't don't have to like put that doubt in my mind because like yeah, there was a lot there's a lot of demons that you battle with like the whole time and and um yeah, me and Harry, it was just like the, the one thing that we didn't want anyone to say. And we had to like, we had to start putting out. It was like, um, he told his family and I told my family, it's like, look, whenever you speak to me and you talk about it, just just don't say no matter what. It's like, because by the sounds of it, it's like you're betting against me and I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, but um, no, it's, I understand everyone was coming from a great place, but, you know, I've I've never felt pressure from any of my friends or family like from them but I've put it on myself only I'm pretty sure one time and that was the last last nationals to go to the Olympics I was like look I haven't lost the nationals in forever I was like I've only lost one nationals I was like that was my first one I was like I cannot drop the ball here I was like this if if I drop the ball here this is my little dream over and I'm just going to be like sitting back watching everyone else go to the games but other than that um yeah, yeah, I've never really felt the pressure on me. Yeah, um, but you know, to be honest, though, sometimes we do drop the ball. Sometimes we do fumble. It's yeah. it's it's part of the sports, and probably one of my biggest fumble. And I'm kind of kind of scared to say this, but the 800 meters, I don't think I've ever seen anyone false start. I false started at one time at an 800 meter race, and it's just like, man, I don't know if I was devastated or embarrassed from from false starting, but I guess my question is, how do you pick yourself back up? Because this is a great question for everyone listening, obviously, because yep. especially during COVID now, there's, we're constantly fumbling and it's not even, the worst thing is not even under our control. Like things just happen, you know, yeah. you know, training, lockdowns, we're so lucky to be in Perth where we can go to the gyms and we're not even wearing a mask yeah. over here, but there's so many people around Australia right now just going through it and feeling like they're fumbling. But at the same time, it's not their fault. And sometimes it's like, how do you pick yourself back up? Yeah, like I'm... Um... I've said it on my Instagram sometimes, like a lot of us athletes, you know, that we, we tend to put out a lot of good content and, and it's very fake. And, and I wanted people to know that I'm like, look, you probably see 90% of me doing well. I was like, when I feel good and I'm like, man, I feel just as bad, probably like, you know, 50, 50, you know, I have my good days, I have my bad days. Um, I have great relationships with, with my coach and, and with my girlfriend and, pretty much just coming home to that and to them relationships that 
that we've cultivated so well um, kind of just, you know, it always makes me do feel better. Um, and another real good tie that I have that I don't get to practice much often is, is going out to my country and, and walking in bush and things like that. It's a very peaceful feeling for me. Um, I did a road trip up with my girlfriend a couple of two Christmases ago. And we went up to Exmouth and, and just being on land was just unreal. It, I came back and I felt so good. I was like, I'm going to train the house down, man. Like, <laughs> like everything feels like it's up here. So like, yeah. you know, I, I know what, what, you know, can, can cheer me up and just, just singing music and things like that. Like um, spending time with my nieces and nephew, um, just simple things in life. I know that at some point, like sports can feel like a job. Um, so you know, you need to take a little bit of a little bit of break from whatever type of uh, thing that you kind of excessively do just to refresh your mind and refresh your body. Yeah. And we, we spoke so much about off of the boxing ring. And I guess I spoke to Harry Garside um, last week and I got a little bit insight into his mindset and his training philosophy yeah. and stuff like that. I guess my first question is, what does training look like and how many times a week do you train and what's what's the balance between strength and and actually getting in a ring and aspiring, how does that all work? Like, what's a week for you look like? Yeah, so most of the other guys on the team, um, they get to do th- three odd sessions a day. I, I can only do two because I work for eight hours in the middle of the day. But um, usually I'll be running two to, th- two to three times a week, Monday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday in the morning, um, and doing boxing in the afternoon predominantly, like pads four times a week or pads slash bag and and box on a Tuesday and a Saturday um yeah in Perth I think not having the numbers I feel like anyone in sports that lives in Perth is feels like is a bit secluded a bit isolated from the rest of the country to be able to get you know better, better training better competition and things like that so um I guess I've made made do with with being over here as much as I possibly could um I see that you go around the world and you, you train and all that there and, and get the best competition as impossible um, I think like for me going forward, I need to change some things, whether it's like uh, being over the Eastern States more, hopefully the borders open up and that just to make travel much easier and, and probably even basing myself over there at some point soon. Um, I just know that being around here, there's no one my size. There's no one even within 10 kilos of me. Uh, and then going above that, um, I've just been practiced sparring with two guys too big. And I think a lot of my faults and, uh, in my boxing style have come from that um not being used to people my size punching at my eye level and, and having people be as quick as me um usually when i go overseas it um i used quickly fine-tune that within a few weeks but um you know i just think being in australia competing against guys overseas like they've got you know 15 guys my size in thailand that they will spar against and and in all the other countries so uh you know, I, I need to be around people that are more more my size is, is probably the biggest thing going forwards. I, I feel that. And I mean, I guess the only advice I give you, I was probably sitting exactly where you are. Um, I, don't, I don't remember how long ago, but when I moved to Melbourne in 2015, it felt like the biggest sacrifice because, I mean, I was, I was running 800 metres and there was no one running anywhere close. And I felt that I needed, I knew I needed to move to the Eastern States because the competition was yep. there and, um, and it just kind of sucked that I needed to move to the Eastern States because I wanted to be at home and do it at home. And it just felt like the biggest sacrifice. But fast forward six years later, 
it's the greatest opportunity that I've ever had. Um, it's the same reason that we're speaking right now. It's the same reason so many doors have opened. But what feels like a sacrifice right now might actually feel like an opportunity down the track, which is, I always kind of look at that and reflect on it. It was the hardest decision I made. But if someone told me um, five years ago, you were going to make this much progress and do this, it would have never felt like a sacrifice. I would have just made it like that. Um, I guess my question then, how do you, how do you make such big decisions like that? Because me, it was really based on my values and family was at the top. And that's why it was so hard. I just didn't want to move away from family. Um, how did, did you have a partner at that time? Uh, no. Okay. No. So, oh, actually I did. I did 2015. Oh, I, and yeah. and yeah. that was a tough one because the distance as yeah. well was pretty tough to kind of decide on it. Yeah. So I guess like it's the same thing um I've, I've got to worry about my partner we've been together for seven years now um which is not, not a short amount of time um but like she wants to move with me what if when I do make the move um so I, I can't just think about myself just going into some you know dingy old place and and just making the move and and doing it properly like make sure that she's got support over there and things like that um I want to move to Queensland um, and box with the Maloney brothers. Uh, and I've got the support over there already. Um, I've been speaking to their coach and, and their manager and things like that. And they're, they're keen to have me over there. Um, I need to finish my apprenticeship. They, they understand that. Um, it's just about, they want me to go to the Commonwealth games and do very well. Like it helps us all out. Um, so between now and the Com games, um, probably won't make the move between there and now but um i'm going to get over there as much as i can um and then after that probably seal the deal and, and make the move um yeah but you know the decision is not just up to me it's like between me and my partner and making sure that everything fits well while we go over there because like a you know happy wife happy life um, <laughs> you know like i said if if them relationships aren't uh, be, being nurtured and and things like that, your, your sporting career can really go down really quick. Um, and I give credit to her because if, if she wasn't in my life when she came, um, probably wouldn't have been able to stick to boxing as well as I did. She's, she's removed me from a lot of the bad influences and like, you know, just kept me focused and goal orientated for a long time. So I do believe, you know, if, if she's not around that, that I'll be drinking a lot more Coke and, and bloody eating more chocolate and, um, <laughs> And just doing doing all the silly things that I that I shouldn't really be doing. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're gonna we'll be we've been having a conversation about the move for like the last two years. She I even brought her over to the training camp when we was getting ready for the Olympics, just just to get a feel for like the place. Um, I'm gonna miss my my mum and all that, but like you know, as long as I have have someone to keep me stable over there, would be good. Yeah, I like that, and and interestingly. I actually know Sophie from from athletics and obviously very good to have um, a partner that's very supportive, but she also understands the demands because she was she was dominating the track yeah, man. so early. So she yeah. understands the need of the athlete. And, and as you said, happy wife, happy life. And I think that's really important because I guess you gotta you gotta service everything around you because at the end of the day, you might be an athlete, but you as you're a person differently yep. in your sports and sports sports the way i see sports is an opportunity like you never know what's going to happen you never know if you're going to have a good year or a bad year um you can do things to obviously help and injury sometimes happens 
So when you have those, when you don't have that sports, you got to service those relationships with you. So that's actually really good advice and I admire that. And I guess one of my, my final, final questions is uh, how's your running? And I mean, we're both in Perth. So I guess what I'm saying is we need to sort out. Yeah, hundred percent, bro. Um, I'm trying to lose some weight at the moment. Um, I can't give too much, too much away, but, for the reason, but um, pretty much I need to get my walking weight down for for my next weight cut. Um, so I got I, I put it out there. I got now between between now and um, uh, start of January to get my walking weight down um, for my weight cut next year. So I'll be I was thinking about it. I was like, oh man, I need to start running some some longer distances and just like start trimming this weight off. So um, I had that conversation at the start of the week and. Now that you messaged me today, I was like, oh, hell yeah, let's do it. <laughs> no, I'm 100% down. And I think that's the beauty. The beauty of our sports is, um, yes, you focus on, on your sport and your craft because that's what that's a platform. It makes you who you are. But yeah. there's also so many important things. It's the journey and the people you kind of meet. And like, why not get a session together yeah. and train together? Which is definitely. Is there any other type of training that you do that's like pretty much not? running specific like like so for me like boxing you know running's like a core part of it just because of fitness so like do you understand what i mean yeah and i got i got the answers for you i do i do a bunch of pool running it's intense it's yeah i've seen that it's got a float hey yeah and and you got and you got the resistance band and you know the thing with pool running is uh you can train as much as you want in the pool just because there's not a lot of impact on the ground, there's not much impact. So the pool running, you do quite a bit. Um, I get on the bike. I love the bike. Um, get on the bike around the foreshore and stuff like that, that type of training. And I used to do actually quite a bit of boxing. Um, oh, fantastic. Because boxing, like, it's the greatest endurance. Like, you've got to have a lot oh, of and It doesn't get easier. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Like, mentally, <laughs> especially mentally, I find boxing yep. helped a lot in track because the boxing stuff that you go through, it's like, man, you go run 800, you're like, nah, I can get through it. Because at the end of the day, it's mostly mental. So, yeah, I think we have some some good opportunities to kind of train together while we're here. No, that's sick. And with when you're running, like, you would have a game plan as, as how you run your first 200 and then, and then your next 200 and then your last 400. Like, can you give me a little bit of insight on that? Yeah, definitely. So when, when I run an 800, I have a plan, but I also know that plan might not work just yep. because um, the first 200 is the most important part of day 100 and where you're cutting in. So if my plan is to be top three and somehow I end up at the back, you got to stay calm and you got to not panic. You got to, the best thing I'll tell everyone is just stay present. You don't even think about moves because if you're thinking about moves, someone has already probably made it. You got to be automatic. And, and that's the beauty of sports. You train for so long as muscle memory. You should be able to just automatically pick things up. It's the same reason we get injured and can come back quicker than everyone else because it's muscle memory so it should just be the same thing you practice at training you practice back on the track and and of course you don't always get it right uh but when you do get it right it's just it's just beautiful you know sometimes when you have that beautiful training session just everything's clicking it's like wow yeah definitely man that's like it's like motivating right it's like just wow yeah 100 percent. i know how you feel like there could be a day that you, you you know you get to the track or you get to the boxing gym and you're not feeling quite good and, and you're just on song and you go, oh, yeah, like I'm, I'm feeling it today. I, I feel good, man. Like get me a fight, get me a race now. Like I could beat anyone. 
yeah it's, okay. it's it's fantastic like it's just them endorphins and you know there's there's so me i feel like I, I don't know whether i have more bad days than good days but you, you remember the good days rather than the bad you know what i mean so it's like oh it's fantastic yeah and i guess last question is what are you doing tomorrow um tomorrow is saturday all well, that answers your question i don't know I'm, I'm so bad i'm so unorganized people don't <laughs> understand how unorganized i am like oh man i'm going tomorrow, for it tomorrow Burswood park um in perth i've got a community barbecue i'd love to see you there you and sophie if you guys have the time i'll send you the link and um come have come have a barbecue come say hello if if you have the time and and we'll set up training schedule from there 100 bro yeah i love to eat um, as long as the missus says yes, which I think she's down to see you again. It's been a long time. She always says, uh, yeah, it should be sweet. Awesome, man. Thanks again for, for jumping in my Spikes podcast. It's a pleasure to have you on it. And I look forward to seeing your progress and following your journey. And most importantly, I look forward to seeing you and training together. I appreciate it, brother. Much love. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.